1: Got drama yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, football open date time. Not a basketball open date time. Basketball just getting ready for a date time. No bye weekends for the two dudes on this podcast. Time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's. The right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here early on a rainy Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, which is uh, just about two miles away from Thompson Bowling Arena, where, of course, the Tennessee basketball team will play an exhibition game on Saturday against Rick Barnes' alma mater, the Lenore Rhine Bears, 3 p.m. Eastern, in the Tommy Bowl. Lots to discuss there. We'll do that in the second segment of this episode going to spend a little time discussing football and, of course, that good old transfer portal here in the first segment, though. And since we're going to talk a little basketball and football, why not go down to the uh, Go Goval's 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office in Merville and go to the one and the only, fortunately for all of us, the one and the only Grant Ramey. Grant, what is up, my man?
2: It's not raining in my house, so
1: I don't want to say Blount County is superior, but it's not raining at my house. Well, if what you told me is correct, it is raining dental bills at both of our house. after the past. Uh, I went yesterday to, to get some work done. I think you had a dental thing this morning. So it's raining something. I don't need work done. I just go to get out of my house. That's the only place I can go to get some quiet time. And <laughs> close my eyes for a minute. I would love for, th- for things to be quiet here right now. But I think one of my neighbors, uh, it's one of two things. Either his son is over at his house working on uh, his motorcycle. Or B, he bought a Cessna and is working on that in the yard um, because it is really loud and Gus is really not a big fan of it. So you you probably will be hearing something on that front today because you'll be like, "Was there is Wes doing his work at a, like a motor shop today?" Yeah, I'm actually we're, we're coming to you from a DEI headquarters over here, uh, you know, because it it sounds like that's going on. But Grant, uh, lots to discuss in this weekly Thursday episode since we got you on now. On Thursdays, most of the time we got basketball to discuss in the second segment, but a little football, obviously, to discuss here front and center in the first segment. And once again, uh, even on a a week where it's supposed to be, you know, an open date week for Tennessee, right, get healthy, don't have much big news, just have the guys go home, see their families, have the coaches go on the road and do a little recruiting, you know, just same old, same old, nothing big going on. Oh, except for Harrison Bailey has gone into the transfer portal, which is not a surprise, um, and I don't even really think it's surprising that he's doing it now because this gives him time to go on some visits before going somewhere in January. So I think a lot of Tennessee fans might be surprised by this. I'll be honest, Grant, I am not.
2: No, I mean you, you thought it was only a matter of time. I mean he had a, you know, he he finally got some time late last year uh, to to actually play. Then everything that happens in January, coaching turnover, all that stuff, he has to start over with a new staff. And it's a quarterback-friendly staff, offensive scheme, obviously. Um, but Hinton Hooker here, bringing Joe Milton, it becomes a four-man race, and he, he doesn't win that race. Um, even when it was a three-man race, he did not win that race. So it's, it's pretty evident that whatever this coaching staff sees in him, he's not the future of this program, and it's better for him now. I mean, it almost feels like what would he be – have been waiting on to this point to go into the portal. Um, but yeah, I agree. The timing is the, the earlier, the better basically, because you want to have your name out there uh, ahead of the early signing period to let people know that, that you're not sticking around. You're, you're looking for a new, uh, a new home. So, uh, best select to the kid. It's, it's unfortunate it didn't work out, but that's kind of the quarterback uh, way of life in college football right now. You're either the man, you're either the number two, or you're looking for somewhere
0: else.
1: Yeah, you know stories like the whole, um, like, uh, what is it? The the whole, um, you know, the thing at Bama recently. You know where where, where you had uh, where you had a guy wait for two or three years, and he's still not the guy. But then he steps in, becomes the guy, and then he's the man, and then he goes on and, and gets drafted. Those stories are kind of few and far between these days. You don't you don't see a, a lot of those Mac Jones type situations anymore. Normally, you're either starting somewhere you're about to be starting somewhere, you know, or, 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 or you're going, you know, some, sometimes guys will wait a year or so, but, but two years now it's just not what they do. It's quarterback. There's only one guy who can be on the field at a time, unless you are very creative offensively, uh, or you've got one of those swinging door quarterback situations where nobody's happy. So my, my thought on this grant is, is pretty simple. I think, uh, Harrison Bailey is good enough to play somewhere uh, somewhere uh, and, and at a power five level too. I think he, he could be a guy who, who is that kind of a guy. but two separate coaching staffs at Tennessee thought, I, we're not sure this is the guy. And, and if you're one of these people saying, well, he was a starter at the end of last season, yeah, he did start. He didn't usually finish though. he was kind of the opener. and even then, uh, even after Jared Garantano leaves, Tennessee's former coaching staff is going all in trying to get guys like Hendon Hooker, who they eventually did get in as a transfer. Uh, I- I'm still convinced that a couple years ago, uh, the kid who Tennessee really wanted was the kid who went to A and M, and then Harrison Bailey was the guy they happily took, but they would have probably rather had the guy, the kid who went to A and M and got hurt early this season. So, I- and this is not a, a criticism of Harrison Bailey, I hope he goes somewhere and does well. I just never got the the impression from, from talking to Tennessee's previous staff or Tennessee's current staff, I never got the impression that they thought this is the guy we're going to build this thing around moving forward.
2: No, and you know, as good as those Mac Jones stories are or a T. Martin where you sit back three years behind somebody and you, you bide your time and then when the time comes, you, you get that opportunity and you, you have a ton of success, those are awesome stories. But it's easier to transfer now than ever, than it's ever, ever been. It's yeah. a different landscape right now, and I don't think it's 100%. It seems like there's a lot of, I don't know, people talk down on the kids who do transfer because it's like they don't want to put up with adversity, they don't want to fight against something, they just want to be given something. I don't think that's the case. I think if you can go, if, if you can get your name out there, if you can start being contacted by other schools, you have a one-time transfer allowance already where you can go and not have to sit. I mean, that's the smart thing to do because the clock is always ticking on you. I mean, this is, this is what we talked about last March with basketball. If, if you don't fit in the system you're in and you don't see a future there for yourself and you don't think the coaching staff sees a future there for yourself, you don't need to be wasting your time there. You need to find that second destination or whatever, uh, and, and, you know, kind of get working towards that to where you can have a future somewhere. Because, yeah, you're right, two different coaching staffs. And with Heibel and his staff specifically, this guy makes his money based on his quarterback evaluations. Yes. He's he he's the Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback, had so much success in college. His offense goes so fast and is dictated so much by the quarterback play. He's going to make his living based on his quarterback evaluations. And they, they picked Joe Milton out of camp. Obviously, that was not the right pick because and Hooker had been more effective uh, since he replaced Milton uh, back in September, but at the same time, whether it's Milton, whether it's Hooker, it clearly wasn't Bailey. It felt like at no point in time was it going to be him. I mean, he barely got any snaps. What was that against Tennessee Tech mm-hmm. um, in September? So I think it's it's the best for both parties to just go your separate ways, find your future somewhere else. And for Tennessee, you turn the page and you try to figure out can you get Henn and Hooker to come back? Um, what are you? What's your kind of quarterback? room look like next year because you look back at last year all four names that were in there last year are gone so you you have to figure out pretty quickly what you're going to be doing at that position.
1: Yeah and and I think the I don't know if you want to call it the the final nail in the coffin or whatever cliche you want to use but to, to me I think going into this season Bailey was still on board even though he knew he was going into the season as the number three because hey you saw weird things happen last year right and eventually he got a shot and and, and you know, you think it's a first-year coaching staff. There's a new system. Everybody's trying to figure each other out. None of these guys ahead of me are proven yet. I'm I'm going to stick this out. Uh, and then I think when Milton goes down, and then Hooker, is, you know, is the guy. I think he still is thinking. Okay, well, I still might get a chance. I'd have to talk to him to be sure. But but my guess would be the final blow was when despite some of Joe Milton's uh, erraticism, inconsistency issues, whatever you want to call them, as soon as Hendon Hooker got hurt a couple times, Milton was the first guy they went back to, despite knowing that he was a guy who was not a finished product yet. And they still didn't want to go with Bailey then. That, to me, if I had to guess, if that would have been him being able to I'm just thinking that's probably the time when Bailey thinks at the situation and goes, "Okay, this is just this is just not going to be me." Yeah, I mean that's that's the you know college football coaches never want to
2: tell you anything uh, as an outsider of what they think about a quarterback, but you know exactly what they think about a quarterback based on how the reps are split up and based on who plays in what situations. And when you're uh, Joe Milton, you're the guy in camp. And when you get hurt, Hinton Hooker even looks better than you did uh, moving forward with the offense. Then Hinton gets hurt. Um, and you go back to a Joe who is, you know, is he 100% healthy, whatever, all those questions. If you're not getting that opportunity in that moment, then you're probably not going to get that opportunity down the line because clearly they don't think you have whatever it takes. And, and the clock is ticking. And, and when that happens, when you see that, when it's evident, when they kind of, you know, their hand is forced and they have to uh, give reps to somebody and you're not that guy, it's, it's probably best off to, to go find something else and I, again I don't blame these kids for doing it it's I do not think at all I don't think it's an adversity thing I don't think it's a he's afraid of competition I mean he talked openly uh the reporters asked him openly about it on media day whenever that was in August him and Brian Maurer both like why are you guys still here did you guys consider transferring is this some? I mean this is not a this was not a secret this was not you know something that was not discussed at length with these guys in the past so it, it makes sense now that they didn't win the competition they didn't win the number 2 and both of those guys are gone
1: and that reminds me that it's it's not just even in football anymore i, I mean I, I remember there was tennessee basketball's you know annual preseason media day this week and i basically spent 3 or 4 minutes sitting down with with olivier Cumwell saying hey why are you still here Right, you know, I mean, they just brought in two more, like what, four or five star big men. Uh, you, you know, for whatever reason, you've not been getting as much leeway to make mistakes as other guys. You know, like I'm, hap- I'm happy to talk to you because you're one of the best quotes on the team. But, but why are you still here? Uh, you know, you're a good kid. I like talking to you. But why are you still here? So it's just kind of the way it goes nowadays. Is and I don't blame kids for doing this either because as as great as it would be for Tennessee to have someone like Harrison Bailey as a backup emergency guy um, you can't be that selfish as a program these days nobody has that it's just not if you have a guy who's like third or fourth on your depth chart and he's probably good enough to be starting somewhere he's probably going to go somewhere and be a starter and 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 as soon as you I know with, with COVID eligibility now everybody gets that extra year Um, but normally, you know, when you go somewhere and you enroll in classes, your five-year clock starts, and, you know, Bailey's a little different because last year didn't count, Um, so he's basically now he'll still have four years to play after this one, so, you know, it it makes sense for him. He gets to go basically start somewhere brand new and find somewhere that, that he will fit better, and now the question for Tennessee, and this could be interesting, Grant, going forward is... What happens now if both Hooker and Milton get hurt? Because if you don't think that's possible, you just haven't watched Tennessee football for the past, like, 15 years, right? It it is possible. Uh, Both Hooker and and Milton are guys who, especially Hooker, they like to run. They're both physically tough guys, but they also, you know, they can get hurt. They've both been hurt this year already. So what happens in Tennessee's next two games – are coming against probably two of the five most physical defenses I've seen in college football this year. I mean, everybody knows how good that Georgia defense is, but Kentucky's defense, man, those are some big physical dudes, and they hit you, and they're going to leave a mark. And and so uh, that's what that whole Kentucky program under Stoops has been built on, is that sort of physical toughness and that wear and tear. So. Uh, what what Tennessee does now, do they go to one of those walk-ons? Do they take someone like a Jimmy Holiday and give him some emergency snaps uh, t- to see if he's ready? I mean, uh, I guess we don't know until we go talk to some more people in the program, but that could be interesting in the next couple of weeks.
2: Who was the uh, who was the kicker that got called off the couch uh, against uh, Middle Tennessee in the Dooley Derek
1: Derek 20- Brodus. Derek Brodus. 2012,
2: Derek Brodus. I mean, it might be that situation where – you call Brian Maurer and say, Are you still in town? Or you call uh, Harrison <laughs> Bay? And say you want to stop by the stadium this afternoon. Uh, run some reps. You, yeah, you pretty much got a handle on the offense. Yeah, you can still. Uh, you know, if you play four games or less, bro, you can still redshirt. That's still
1: okay. You know, you.
2: Can... I've, I've got two things that I would I would want to happen in that situation. A Jimmy Calloway. You mentioned it. I want to see that guy at quarterback. Uh, or Jimmy Holiday. Am I
1: confusing which? Jimmy ran quarterback uh, in high school. I don't yeah, care Holiday. which one They were both. Actually, they were both quarterbacks. But Holiday was the one who, at Tennessee, spent a couple of weeks playing quarterback. Well, I
2: won't. I won't be difficult. I'll take either Jimmy, and I'd love to see them get reps at quarterback. Or Sully McDermott. Let's
1: start the Sully McDermott era. Yeah, let's. Uh, hey, he's a guy who. Uh, he's the only guy who was came from UCF to uh, to Tennessee, right? So try just right. uh, get, get Sully on the field. He knows what he's doing.
2: Yeah. And his name's Sully.
1: Yeah. I mean, he could land a plane on the Hudson. He can probably quarterback right. the Vols, right? I mean,
2: you know, I, there would I, be
1: so many opportunities, uh, pun wise the, to just talk the, about him landing this plane. In Photoshops and just in uh, the stadium right the stadiums right next to a river. Uh, yeah. It would be incredible. Like if, if you if you thought the whole like Casey Clausen uh Iceman thing got played into the ground, oh, boy, you would see tune in, nothing tune on Sully. The, uh,
2: Tune into the Govals Two Four Seven podcast where we root for injuries so we can
1: play a, a walk-on quarterback named Sully and make some plane crash puns. Because much like butters on South, Bar- South Park, we are Professor Chaos, right? We we love us in right. chaos. It's it's how we, it, it's our oxygen. It gives us life. Uh, but moving on, I mean, I, I think that's. I don't think there's much more we can say about Bailey other than a lot of Tennessee fans wanted him to be the guy. It was a great story. Uh, a guy who, according to some services, was a five-star. We have him as a four-star. But but a touted prospect regardless, no matter which way you slice it. And a guy who committed to Tennessee, stayed with Tennessee when it was at one of its lowest marks, and, and a guy who just a lot of people wanted to be the quarterback. It just didn't work out. It's one of those things. And, and maybe he goes somewhere and becomes like a star. I just don't think, especially with the way now that Tennessee's playing offense, I just don't think he was ever going to be the guy. It it was, you know, his his arm is strong enough, but it's not like incredibly strong. And I think more than anything, he needed to make decisions quicker. And maybe that would have come with more reps. That's kind of maybe the chicken or the egg argument, I guess you could say. But I just always wanted to see him, you know, athletically he was never going to beat out the other two guys. So, or even Maurer. So, So he had to, he had to really be, so quick with his decisions and be so accurate. And he just, you know, he, he was a little bit short in those areas relative to what he needed to be, maybe to beat out the other, the other guys, if that makes sense.
2: Right. It, it was not, um, I don't know how to say this. The The odds were not in his favor because you had Milton who had the strong arm. You had uh, Maurer who had more athleticism than, than Bailey, like you mentioned. And you have Hinton Hooker who, what we've seen over the last few weeks is he's not the best athlete, but he's athletic enough and he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's got a good enough arm, and he can put it on you down the field if he needs to. He can make the throws. He can, he can you know slip out of the pocket and, and make something happen. He can do a little bit of everything and, and manage it well. And and when you look at Bailey, it's just pretty evident that he didn't have a strong enough arm. He wasn't a good enough athlete, and they just didn't trust him on the field. And I mean, it's no different than, you know, everyday business. If you feel like you're not getting your, your opportunity, if you feel like you've tried to earn an opportunity and you can't get it, you're probably going to go find somewhere else to work somewhere that fits better for you somewhere that you feel like you can uh, have a bigger, you know, a bigger opportunity and and have success.
1: And I think, but before we get out of here for the first segment, I I think we need to discuss some other stuff. I mean, Heupel, Heupel did go speak to us on, on Wednesday this week. We spoke to several players this week also. And and I think it's interesting because different teams handle open dates differently, right? Like some, I've never seen a team practice more than four times uh, during a during an open date I don't remember because normally you're almost always done that by that Friday so the kids can go home for a weekend to see their folks coaches can go on the road recruiting it's just you almost never see anything on Friday of that open date week and you almost never see anything on Monday during the open date week you normally get an extra day at the beginning and a couple extra days at the end and then you practice anywhere between like three or you know two two three four times uh, during that week uh, but Tennessee I've seen more teams, in this situation, practiced three times. I think Tennessee practiced twice. Um, they had one sort of sort of aggressive weightlifting day and then a couple of days out on the field. So I, I think with this team, and I don't know if that's Hypo's normal open date routine or if he tweaked it for this situation with how thin this team is, but I think going as easy as possible is probably what this team absolutely had to do.
2: For sure. I mean, you just went eight straight weeks and you had injuries across the board to all the guys that you did not want injured. And it just kind of kept adding up. It seemed like week after week, somebody would come back and somebody else would leave. So I think after those eight weeks, uh, the bye comes at the perfect time because you've they they have a lot of momentum, despite the fourth quarter at Bryant-Denisetti and what it looked like. Uh, And you have a, a week off going into a really big Kentucky game. It's a it's a it's a good Kentucky team. Uh, It looks like a winnable game based on what we've seen from Tennessee against certain opponents, and you got two weeks to prepare for it. you got two weeks to, like you said, rest up as much as you can this week because that's what they've been waiting for for eight weeks now is a a chance to take a step back and kind of breathe a little bit and and take a couple days off and kind of build on whatever they've accomplished in those first eight weeks where I think they've been pretty impressive. I think this team, uh, for 60 minutes, whatever is going on, they, they keep fighting and they keep scrapping and they keep playing until the end of the game, uh, even if they do run out of gas like they did against Alabama. So I think for a chance to catch your breath, uh, going into a huge game at Kentucky and going into a final stretch run here of four four games, um, probably three of them winnable, uh, I think you can kind of cross George off the list based on that defense. Most likely, yeah. (laughs) What we've seen from them so far. But, I mean, you can go to Kentucky. If you can win that game, it really changes your season. I think Tennessee's going to get two more wins. And they're going to meet that six-win bowl eligibility benchmark. But if you go to Kentucky, uh, the season Kentucky's had, and if you could win up there, uh, that would be a really uh, a high-water moment really for this team in, the, in this season and what they're trying to build.
1: Yeah, because I'm of two minds on this, um, but really at the end of the day, one. Um, but I, I do think that every day that you have an opportunity to get better is a day that you should probably take advantage of. If you're in a situation like Tennessee – you know, your, your Georgias and your Alabamas and Floridas and, and those, they're not taking a lot of time off, right? Like, they're, you're trying to catch a moving target. They're not going to slow down and say, hey, you want to catch up? Like, that's not how this goes. So Tennessee has to be smarter every it, – single it has to – especially if it's not going to recruit better than those teams right now, it has to do better on the grass between the lines on a daily basis. It's just got to get better there. Uh, they got to recruit to the system. they got to build up the system the right way. They have to build their chemistry. They have to get to be the most cohesive unit they can be. And and so maybe taking a few days off then, you would think, well, that's not really helping that plan. However, I think sometimes the best thing you can do with your team, especially if you trust your team, and I think Hype will trust this team in terms of its work ethic, I think that's been evident throughout the entire course of camp, the off season. It's, it's it's been good good vibes only, right? I mean, he's been good vibes only with this group the whole time. Sometimes the absolute best thing you can do is sort of just just lay off the accelerator for a couple days. You you, you got to have your legs back. You got to have your team back. And I think if you have the right kind of mature team, they will they will get your back for that, right? They they will they will appreciate you giving them a few days off. They will appreciate being able to go home for a couple of days and see their family, see their friends, all that other stuff. Because some of the high school guys, they've probably not been home yet really since they moved to Knoxville. So get a chance to go home. You know, COVID restrictions aren't as bad. You can go see some people. It After the past couple of years, I just think it's a good thing to be able to let them do this. Um, and I also think they will probably, if they're as mature as I think they are, they will probably, you know, reward the coaches for, for kind of taking it easy on them this week.
2: I feel like they've rewarded the coaches to this point in the season. I mean, in terms of the way they play the game and the way they—I don't know—the effort that's there. Even though, if the you know the talent really is not obviously there, the uh, depth is is way not there. I think specifically to this roster, taking your foot off the gas a little bit when you're as limited as they are scholarship-wise, uh, and when you're when you're relying on walk-on for for uh, walk-on players for depth at some positions, I think it's extremely important to kind of take a step back, take a foot off the gas for a minute. Uh, and kind of reset going into the next week.
1: yeah, when when you're playing one of the fifteen best teams in the country, and it's a third and inches or third and third and one in the second half, and you're giving the ball to a fifth year senior walk on from came from d three, Maryville College, and you're running behind a, a sophomore uh, walk- on offensive tackle, uh, and you're getting the first down, uh, you're you're getting effort and buy-in from your players. There's no question about that. So, now it's just a matter of of, of uh, where they go, and also I think how, how much you know when they go out on the road recruiting this weekend, uh, can, you know can they get some results out of that? Can they, if not some immediate fruit, can they can they at least plant some seeds for the future there? Because the way this coaching staff is playing, and, and I've said this from the time Hypo got here, that his his recruiting was going to have to be like the product was going to have to sell itself. Because if you are trying to compete against the the Sabins of the world, the the Smarts of the world, the Mullins of the world, you know the Lane Kiffins of the world in recruiting, and you're like Josh Heupel, you're just not someone who just runs in the room like the Kool Aid Man and gets everybody fired up, right? That's just not who you are. And, and you know he's not been a guy who's done a lot of that. So what he's going to have to do is the product is going to have to sell itself. You're going to have to trust guys like Garner and guys who have recruited at this level before. And on top of that, you're 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 gonna have to really have your product sell itself. And I think for them, and I think Hypel's right about this. I think the way they play the game does sort of sell itself in recruiting sometimes better than the coaches could. For
2: sure. I mean, you look at you look at what this team has and, and the situations they've been in. I mean, what was the score in the third quarter at Alabama before it got out of hand? They were down a
1: touchdown, right? Yeah. Or it was actually it was actually twelve minutes to go. They were down by a touchdown, I think. Right, so,
2: I mean, and, and they went down there and they scored points. They had big plays. They had quick drives. They, had, they gave that Alabama defense some problems for the first three quarters, obviously, because they put some points up uh, against Alabama, more points than they'd scored since since 2003. And, you know, you go back to Pittsburgh, uh, apparently that Pitt team's pretty good. I mean, they lost yeah. to Western Michigan. It is what it is. Uh, that's a tough loss uh, to a Mac school. But the way Tennessee played that game, I mean, they had a million chances to win that game, and they shot themselves in the foot a million times. Also got they, a ba- Also you know, got a bad spot. Right, and, and Ole Miss, there was a lot of you know officiating talk about. You know, Tennessee fans obviously showed their frustrations with officials. They still had a chance to win that game despite everything that had gone wrong on the final play of that game. So, two, I mean, yeah, two or three. You inch, look at the two
1: or three inches away from winning that game. Right, and and you look at what they
2: did at Missouri, and you look at what they did against South Carolina. I think clearly, there's there's some pretty rapid progress being made in terms of the buy-in of this group, um, what what's on this roster, and how they're able to execute with what they have. And put points on the board with what they have. So I think for sure that that product has to be selling itself, because
1: you you've turned you've turned heads, and when you do that, you can't help but notice yeah you know, if you're a prospect. Yeah. Speaking of uh, prospects, uh, Tennessee basketball has added the fourth-ranked signing class in the country, and, and taken a big. Big transfer from Justin, uh, getting Justin Powell from Auburn, who I think will help them a lot. Basically, the the Vols have a lot of prospects and hoops that people are going to start seeing here in the next couple of days. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to step away though quickly. Before we do that, we're going to pay some bills, listen to products, services, in house ads, other fun things, and we will come back in just a second and discuss some Tennessee hoops here on the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Hashtag ad. <laughs>
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee on a rainy uh, but pleasant, uh, a little rainy but a, but a pleasant day nonetheless here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, just a, just a few miles south at the Goval's Twenty Four Seven Blount County Satellite Office in Maryville, we've got Grant Ramey with us. Don't call it Maryville; it's Merville here on this Goval's Twenty Four Seven podcast. Talking Tennessee football and Tennessee basketball. We're going to focus more on hoops here in just a second, with that season basically coming up right now. So uh, we got plenty to discuss on that front, and we'll do that. Before we do that, though, quick reminder, guys: take about a minute out of your day right now, please go in and rate and review this podcast, and please mash that subscribe button. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to listen, no wrong way to consume this Go Balls 24-7 podcast. But what really helps us out is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Tune, and Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this very Go Balls 24-7 podcast, and we do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love, but the one thing we ask Please go rate and review, and please hit that subscribe button. That helps us out a lot. That gets the word out there to more and more Tennessee fans across the world, and we can add more Wolves to our Wolf Pack, as we've done since we started this thing years ago. So please go in there and do that. We love five-star reviews, but, uh, you know, if you don't think it's five-star good, tell us why it's not. We're not We're not above that. We're not above criticism. Go tell us. Go tell us what you want to hear, and we'll keep bringing uh, the best to the best that we can. What you want to hear on this podcast a few times every single week, all throughout the year. Grant Tennessee basketball starts this week. Uh, I guess it technically started with that behind closed doors scrimmage against Davidson every that that they do every year, but really it, it sort of gets started on Saturday uh, with a 3 p.m. Eastern uh, tip uh, exhibition tip against uh, just just the exhibition tip against lenore ryan rick barnes alma mater they're at thompson bowling arena and normally this is this podcast this sort of the last week the last episode of the week during the open date i you know we normally talk about what we're going to do for the open date because we don't get a lot of these during the year during football season right we get like one of them so we talk about what we're going to do right we're going to do a little staycation we're going to try to take the family up to a cabin in the mountains we're going to go to the beach somewhere what are we going to do grant you and i are going to be uh gonna be watching basketball
2: isn't it funny how that works out just <laughs>
1: the, that, that, the one, sa- the that one set one week.
2: saturday that you kind of looked forward to and you thought maybe i can sit around and watch football all day and not have to do anything
1: but we're going to get some exhibition basketball yeah the if i could have taken the the look on my wife's face when i told her that there was an exhibition basketball game on saturday it was like the combination of like the saddest GIFs you ever see combined with like the angriest GIFs you ever see, like at the same time, it was this combination of, of just like, just like desperate sadness and like seething rage. And, uh, that, that was basically the, that was basically the look, but such is the life, right? Uh, we, it's also, it's also Halloween weekend.
2: And when you have two small kids, there's 47 trunk or treat events and there's, you know, spook extravaganza, something, something or other. And then there's actually the trick-or-treating and there's fall festivals and and there's a basketball game at three o'clock on uh, <laughs> October 30th. <laughs> right the in days. the middle of the day too. It's not like it's at noon right. or seven. It's just right in the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah, it's just right there. But hey, it's, it's you know what? Closed door scrimmage against Davidson. I'll respect them. They don't want any of that information out, but at least they're going to do one thing uh, in, in front of people, even though it's going to be Lenore run, it's probably going to be blowout city from, the first five minutes on and, and you, who knows what you're actually going to see, uh, but at least we're going to see something.
1: Yeah. And I'm not complaining at all. And really, because I mean, I'm complaining a little bit, but, but I, I love my job. I think we all love our jobs. This is why we do what we do. And uh, it, it beats a regular nine to five clocking in at the, at the factory. So, so no, no complaints. there. happy to do this. And there's a lot about this team that is really interesting grant because last year, it seemed obvious in the long run that something about that Tennessee team just was not as good as some of us, cough, cough, me, thought that it would be. Um, because that team was top five uh, for in a lot of people's minds. It was a national championship contender, a Final Four contender at the very least. And we all know what happened, right? There were injuries. Uh, they had two freshman guards who just, through COVID restrictions, were not able to have a proper sort of – Year on campus. It was weird. As John Fulkerson said, you know, anytime a guy walks in coughing, nobody can practice that day. You know, and and it's just one of those deals and and it hurt some teams worse than others. And if you look at it last year, the teams that are traditionally have a lot of one and done players, they weren't very good last year. Uh, Any of them, you know, Duke, Kentucky, UNC, Kansas, none of them were really that good. And Tennessee, had a couple of one and done guards, and lo and behold, Tennessee was also not as good as people thought. So there's probably a some sort of a common denominator there, right? You looked at the at the national championship game and that was played between a couple of teams with a lot of veterans on it. And and that's just sort of the way it went. And then John Fulkerson gets hurt toward the toward the back end of the season again and he's out and just things things are not the same while he's also battling COVID fatigue at the time. So just just none of it went the way it should. Fast forward one year, Tennessee's ranked 18th by the AP going into the season, and I'm not convinced that's high enough. Uh, I think this team could prove to be better than that. You've brought back a decent core if you're Rick Barnes, and you've added one of, on paper at least, one of the best recruiting classes Tennessee has ever had. And on top of that, you're adding a, a guy in Justin Powell who as Josiah Jordan James said is everything this team needed to add basically in a player, a guy who Josiah Jordan James told me, he was like basically high-fiving the world when they got Justin Powell because he knew him as a player and knew how well he would fit into what Tennessee needed added a couple of just outstanding young point guards, a couple of nice big men, just a lot of reasons to be excited about this bunch.
2: Yeah. But the funny thing is you talk about last year and I, I, I'm not saying the COVID stuff is an excuse or the the 100% the reason why it happened. Uh, It makes sense that younger teams struggled one and done kind of teams, one and done heavy teams struggled in a year where you couldn't do a ton of team stuff until way later in the summer fall. And you were very individualized uh, during the summer and and very limited on what you could do off the court uh, together as a team. But for some reason last year has kind of spooked me into thinking, I don't really know what to make of this team. That's fair. Because there are so many new faces, there are so many new pieces to this puzzle, and I don't really know how they fit together. I mean, there's a lot of really good basketball players on this team. I just kind of need to see it, and I need to see it on the floor, and I need to see it in a game atmosphere, uh, not just an exhibition. Because my biggest question is consistency, because they were so inconsistent last year. Yep. And uh, I mean, and they they did not have a true point guard last year, and now you have Kennedy Chandler. And the question is, how elite is he? I think everybody thinks he's elite, but how elite is he? How good is he going to be from day one? How consistent is he going to be from day one? And you do have depth there with Santiago Vescovi and Zakai Ziegler. Um, they didn't have an inside presence last year. I have to see where they're going to get that inside presence this year because Jonas idu has been out for a while uh, with Mono. I don't know when he's coming back. Brandon Huntley Hatfield, we've only seen a couple, three practices. I haven't been, you know, I just haven't seen a ton from him yet. I don't really know what to think of him.
1: I want I, to me. It looks like, in what I've heard and what I've seen, it looks like motor is kind of uh, an issue there. Sometimes with young guys, it's just hard. Rick Barnes, especially the way they play the game, you, you got to go hard all the time. And I know he's had a banged up knee and some other things, but I, I just wonder if his motor is where Rick wants it yet.
2: And and you know, the most popular name in Pratt Pavilion right now is Olivier Kamwa and the summer he's apparently had in the off season. But, again, I need to see that on the floor happening for me to start kind of taking stock in that to be somebody you can count on. And they did not have an inside presence last year. They did not have competitive depth. Um, as the season played on, we learned that Olivier couldn't really help him, couldn't stay on the floor. E.J. Anasicki was brought in to help them with inside presence. He couldn't do that. rush Plasic couldn't get on the floor until later in the year at best, and that was because of John Fulkerson's uh, injuries. And Folky is back as a sixth-year, super senior, whatever, however it's phrased. But can he be the guy that you saw at times in 1920? In I mean, yeah. it, you don't expect that full-time can every he, single night well, out. Can he be healthy, too? Right. Can he be healthy? And can he be a consistent force? Because he was not a consistent player last year. He was very up and down, and the ups were very few and far between. So there are just a lot of questions that, you know, are hard to answer at this point, at least for me personally, that I need to see with my own two eyes in that kind of setting. And I think it goes back to last year because I, I agree with you. I thought that team was going to be really good. I thought they had a ton of talent, a ton of depth. Uh, they had some talent. Uh, they had two first-round picks in the NBA draft, and they had another guy who's going to get a contract in Eve Ponds. But it just did not fit together, and, and I think for that reason, I just don't really know what to think of this team yet and how they're going to fit together.
1: Yeah, th- there's a lot to chew on there. And, and I think the, the three names that I've probably heard the most in terms of people just being really excited about the offseasons they've had One would be Kennedy Chandler. Uh, He is – for a kid who's only six feet tall, I mean, he is just at every level that he's ever played at the game of basketball, he has been an elite player. He is – he's not a guy who's going to drop 30 a night on you, anything like that. He's not a Ja Morant type um, who's scoring out of his mind right now. Um, But he just – as Josiah Jordan James said, he had sky-high expectations for Kennedy Chandler, and Kennedy Chandler has somehow been better than he expected – and I, to me, that meant a whole hell of a lot coming from Josiah Jordan James because he knows firsthand the pressure that comes with being a five-star, and he does not want to put that pressure on Kennedy Chandler. But he basically, at least when he was talking to me, he said I, he can handle it. I have no doubts that he can handle it. He just said the thing about him is, you know, more than nine times out of ten on offense and defense, every time he looks up, Kennedy Chandler is exactly where he's supposed to be and doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. And that is that sort of sixth sense that point guards, that elite point guards and elite quarterbacks just have. And and he can run the thing on both sides. He's got Zekai Ziegler now pushing him every single day in practice. And that that five foot eight jitterbug is a dude, man. He's a lot better. I mean, Josiah Jordan James told me that he had no idea who Zachai Ziegler was until three or four days before he committed to Tennessee. And then the first practice, he was like, Oh my God, what is who how 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 is this kid like a three star? Or what what's the deal here? This kid can play. He joked that he's five foot five and looks like he's twelve years old, but he's he's really good. And and so that the first name though is Candy Chandler that I've heard. Uh, the second uh, would be Olivier Kumba. Like you have heard, a lot of people have talked a lot about that. And I think a lot of it with him is how much Rick Barnes will trust him because for whatever reason, Rick Barnes until he trusts you, he just does not. And Olivier Kamau was not given the chance to make mistakes that other guys were at times the past couple years. He got pulled out of games quickly. Don't know why. That's just how it was. Um, But the third one that I've heard a lot uh, is Santiago Viscovi. That's one that Rick Barnes, even the other day on the record, said might be the most improved player on this team. And that's interesting because sort of where does he fit now? Where do he and Vijay Bailey fit now? You know, are, are they spending time? You know, V.J. Bailey is mostly off the ball now. But, you know, are they playing the one? they playing the two? H- how does that whole playing time situation sort itself out? Because Justin Powell is going to play. He's going to have to. He does a lot of things that help a basketball team. And he can play the one through three and in a pinch maybe even the four spot. So there, there's a lot to chew on there. But all those names, where they come together for me is – the thing that I think is going to be a huge deal for this team, and that is, as you mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned this specifically, Grant, but chemistry. Um, who plays the minutes? You only get two hundred of them per night, unless you go to OT, and you got a, a, a full roster for the first time since Barnes has been there. You've got guys who would be playing just about anywhere. How do you put them together? You know, are you are you going to play at the tempo that Rick Barnes wants to play at? Because if they do that, then they can move guys in and out more and get guys more minutes, and they can play with enough possessions to get guys touches to make guys happy. But you'd rather have too many guys than not enough, Um, but figuring out – because you could play – I mean, you look at it, Grant, you could play five guards with this team. You could play a five-guard lineup. You could play a super, super big lineup. Uh, You could play a more traditional lineup. Uh, There's a – and I wonder – with Rick's kind of ADD, for lack of a better phrase, how that's going to fit with having to put all these pieces together.
2: Yeah, I should clarify. I I probably sounded, um, I don't know, uh, alarmist in what I was saying. I think they've raised the floor so much that you don't have to worry about kind of if this isn't going to be a bad basketball team. Correct. They might struggle at times, but they're going to be a good basketball team because they have too much talent. The question is how high is the ceiling? Yeah. And and I think starting with Kennedy – it can be incredibly high because, like you said, the talent is there. And the the next bad word I hear about Kendi Chandler is going to be the first bad word I hear about him. And he he's not some five star from small town USA that played against small town players uh, growing up. He's a guy that that went to Sunrise in Kansas and played a national schedule against all those other teams. Prolific Prep, uh, Compass, IMG. He, he got to the Geico semi uh, the championship game, the Geico High School National Championship. Uh, in Florida. And it, and when those games were televised, you watched him. It seemed like the bigger the moment, the better he was. Yeah. And, and when you watch him practice, Rick Barnes attacks him and goes after him. And he doesn't flinch. He keeps eye contact. He just stares straight back at Rick. You know, yes, sir, whatever. And then goes back out there and does his thing. I think the mental toughness is there, you know, in tons of it. He's got more of it than he needs. So I think starting with him and the point guard depth uh, Zakai. Yeah, that's another guy. I was talking to him on media day. He was talking about going to Peach Jam, basically with no offers, and he started lighting it up a little bit down there. And he basically got six offers, but he didn't know he got six offers because he thought he was just talking to schools. And he, <laughs> he relayed to his AAU coach what he was talking, what they were talking to him about. He's like, dude, those are offers. You've got six offers from these whatever schools. I think that's how quickly this has all happened for him. And, and the pest that he can be, I think we've talked about before, Tennessee fans, are going to love him. But, yes, yeah, Santi, that was the name that came up the most. With I just kind of went around asking general questions, like who's the best shooter on this team? Santi was the name that came up the most. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the toughest to defend? Somebody said Santi, too, because he's not the quickest. He's not the fastest, but he's smooth, and he's going to change speeds. He's going to change pace. He's going to mix it up on you. Um, so I think there is a lot of improvement there. I think there's a lot of options where they didn't have those options last year. They didn't have consistent outside shooting last year, so you bring in Justin Powell, you hope uh, V.J. Bailey can help you there. You hope Santi is going to uh, be uh, much improved there. You hope Josiah is going to consistently knock down shots. So I think all the questions that were there last year, uh, they answered a lot of those questions, and they brought in a lot of depth. Now it's just a matter of seeing it happen on the field.
1: Yeah, I think it was good. And and, and you expect this with a coach like Rick Barnes, um, a guy whose experienced as he is but he very quickly saw what were the deficiencies of that team and looked like he specifically went out to get players to address those needs. Uh, that That is exactly what coaches need to do. That's what separates sort of the great coaches from the good ones, right, is they, they look at a team and they go, man, I only have so many scholarships to offer and i got to fix these four or five deficiencies. How am I going to do that? And the proof's in the pudding, but it looks like he's gone out and done that. And in terms of shooting – there are three guys on this team who, when I see them square up, I think I think the ball's going in, and, and that would be Vescovi, Powell, and Ziegler. When those three square up from the perimeter and they get a relatively clean look at the bucket, I think that thing's going in. With Powell, the only question is, and he, he admitted this to me, is that he's got to make sure he's getting it off as quickly as he can, because... It's just it, it, the way Tennessee plays. It's very fast, and if you got that, if you got that little window, you take it and you shoot. And just the way that they want to play is, you know, because Rick Barnes wants the game played a certain way, and I think he now has in his mind he has the point guards who can do that in terms of depth, in terms of the way they attack the ball. Um, because Ziegler and Chandler are just going to get in your kitchen sink, and they're going to get after you. Ziegler is an absolute pest. Uh, watching him go after Chandler is really fun because you see like the ultimate scrappy, you know, three-star Bronx kid going against like the five-star Burger Boy, and he's just getting in his sink all the time. And, and I think it's great to see because that competition is 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 so crucial to getting better on a daily basis. And if if you can take that Rick Barnes hairdryer treatment, you got a chance to to be a good player. And Kennedy Chandler takes it really well. He he just sits there. He absorbs it. Yes, sir. I got you. My bad, coach. And he goes on and and he does it. And of course, don't say my bad to Rick Barnes. He'll he'll he hates that phrase. <laughs> but you know, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And move on. And I, I think the way that the way that that Chandler it's hard to explain it. And Josiah Jordan James even had a hard time explaining it. But he said the thing is Chandler might never be a guy who scores twenty or twenty five a game. But nobody can stop him from getting to the rim when he wants to get to the rim. He said we could be playing five out. He goes, we could be playing any set offensively. The defense could be playing any set defensively. If he wants to get to the rim, he gets to the rim. He goes, I can't explain it because he's six feet tall um, and he'll. He, but he just gets there. He finds a way to get there, and he can. And if you're not careful, he'll he'll yam it right on your head too. At that size. Maybe not like a J.D. Davison at Alabama. <laughs> that guy's got an elevator through the roof. Um, but he'll get up on you. And, and I, I think if this team can find a balance, it could be really good. And getting John Fulkerson back is a huge part of that. He won't be uh, out there for the exhibition game. He's coming back from a broken thumb. told me he was working on a three-dimensional chess grant this year by getting all his injuries out of the way in the preseason as opposed to waiting until the season started. Uh, uh, makes sense. Also asked him if, how many more bones he had to break before Mayfield Dairy decided they needed a new spokesperson for their calcium-infused beverage, and he said he did not want to find out, but that was a good question. Um, but He's going to be – with his NIL deals, he's going to be like that League 4
2: soccer team that's got 47 sponsors <laughs> up and down its shirt. Yeah, that's going to be – that's gonna be him warming up before games at Thompson Bowling Arena. It's,
1: it's, I mean, it's funny because it's like, what was it was it you or, or or Mike Wilson the other day who asked him? So, how many NIL deals have you gotten in the past hour since we started talking yeah. to you? I mean, he just pops up on Instagram with the most random companies like posing for a picture. <laughs> Good for him, man. I mean, a guy like yeah, that I mean, rolling in it. I mean, that's that's what you want to see with the NIL deals. But it's right. What, what's what's really important is the way everyone in that building lights up when you mention Fulky's name. You don't even have to have Fulky with you. You just mention his name, and people get excited. Like Josiah Jordan James said, he can't think of the right word other than just saying Fulky is Fulky, but that it's a good thing for them. And and Olivier Kumwa said that that he learned everything he needed to know about John Fulkerson a couple years ago. They're playing in Rupp Arena. And that's when Fulkerson really went off. I think we all remember that game, right? What? He scored 27 points. And it seemed 27, like, right. And it seemed like all of them came in the second half. And right. he led them to that win. He basically was like, get on my back. Let's go. He took 20,000 at Rupp and shut them up. And he's doing his interviews after the game on the court. He comes back to the locker room and everybody's waiting and hiding and chanting his name to pounce on him. And he shut everybody up and said, it's not about me. It's about this. And he pulled up his jersey with the Tennessee, and he popped it. And Olivia Kumwa said, he goes, that is everything this program is, is that. And, and he is the guy who it is not about him. Even when people want to make it about him, it's not about him. It's about Tennessee. And getting him to come back, I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, maybe if Fulkerson doesn't come back, maybe Olivia Kumwa just becomes an absolute superstar this year, right? Or, or maybe Uros Plavsic." Maybe he finds that time to step in and say, okay, this is my chance. And he is looking more nimble, more athletic, and maybe he goes out there and does some things. But getting Fulky back, I think just gives everyone in that building more confidence. I mean,
2: Fulke deserves to have that kind of year. He deserves to be one of the best players on this kind of team based on all the crap he's been through uh, during his five years at Tennessee. I mean, him breaking a thumb a couple of weeks ago and being in a cast right now and, and you know, being able to work out, but not going to be able to play the exhibition. I mean, that's perfectly sums up the kind of the luck that he's had uh, during his time at Tennessee. So, uh, and and more on that Folky Rupp thing, when we talked to him after the game, we're like, man, y'all are down like 17 in the second half. Did, did, was that like, was that in your head? He was like, no, man, I didn't know where the scoreboard was. I couldn't find it. So he did not know what the score was. In the second half while they were coming back from a 17 point deficit. He was like, I'm just gonna go down there and try to score. Um, so what you know, whatever works. But the way they overturn this roster this season kinda is gonna springboard a lot for the future because the twenty twenty two recruiting cycle has not been kind to Tennessee right now. They kind no, it's not they're they're the team that kind of gets left out of every one of these kind of big time decisions but they do feel really good about Zakai Ziegler being the point guard of their future. And they do feel really good about Quentin Dabunje being somebody that they stole kind of late in the process who didn't really have a conventional recruitment. They really like him uh, on the wing and and his potential moving forward. Jemai Masha, they like him as a, as a program player. So what this team does and how they do it will go a long way towards setting up next year and the next year and the next year, because these, you, when you have a seven-man signing class, eight-man, when you include Justin Powell, you're you're signing a lot of guys for the future, for down the road. So you want to see what those guys can do. So if Fulkey can be a guy that leads them in the post, um, if Olivier can be a guy that finally kind of steps out and does something consistently, if Kennedy Chandler can be that elite point guard that they've been needing for the last few years, then it, not only does it give you a really good basketball team this year, but it should set you up to have some really good basketball teams in the future based on uh, what you can be getting from some of these guys that you sign as as those multi year players?
1: Yeah, with with Ziegler, Powell, Meshack, you, you've got a lot of a lot of program players there that could be there for three or four years and and do some good things. Although, Grant, I'll be honest with you, when I look at the 2022 recruiting cycle and the way that it's been. For Tennessee, compared – and there's – hey, B.J. Edwards is a really good player. He's a really good player. There is no problem there, Um, you know, as a really good player. But when I look at that class, this class compared to the others, I keep thinking two words, transfer portal. They're going to add someone from the portal, or at least one or two guys, probably, from the portal to sort of plug in specific holes from this team. Like, let's say Vescovi goes pro earlier than they want. Because he just says, you know what, even if it's a year, but I just want to go play pro ball. And he goes, you know, what if a guy like Victor Bailey decides he wants to try go to go play pro or transfer somewhere else, and he doesn't play that extra year that he could have at Tennessee next season? Let's say that, you know, Urosh decides he wants to leave, which I don't think he would, but let's say he does. Or, or let's say Kamwa blows it up this year, and he decides to go pro. You know, or, or you know, there or, or he doesn't play as much as he wants, and he finally says, I don't want to leave, but I have to. So that leaves you in a chance where you know, or some freshman gets homesick and wants to go back home. You know, they're going to have to go probably plug in from the portal there. But that that's another topic for another day. Before we get out of here, last thing: looking at this team, Grant, uh, it's interesting to me because preseason polls mean mean absolutely nothing. And I think if you look at the midway point of the season, if you started polls then, you would probably have a more accurate reflection. Than if you had the preseason polls where you go, man, because so many, so many pollsters, and I've done this before too. You think, man, I had these guys rated so high, and the I can, I just can't drop them down. They're, they're winning, but not impressively. But I had them ranked number four, so I I kind of feel like they're still there. You get this bias in your head. Where so so bottom line is we don't know. But what's interesting to me is Tennessee is ranked 18th in the AP, but then you look at like Ken Palm, and his his metrics have Tennessee 13th nationally and number one in the SEC. And as much as I am a devout uh, worshiper in the uh, religion of Ken Palm, I don't know how the hell you do that <laughs> going into a season when basketball is such an instant impact sport. I don't know how those numbers crunch going into the season and you can make that sort of prediction. I would, We probably should get them on the podcast to try to talk about that because that is is fascinating to me. But I think the bottom line is, and you mentioned this earlier. We'll get out of here on this, Grant. You mentioned this earlier. I know that when I talked to Olivia Cumwa uh, earlier this week, he mentioned it too. The floor for this program now is so high that it becomes a question of – it was almost in some ways like those former football teams at times. Like you know they're good. You know they're top 15, top 20, top 25 good pretty much every year. The question is, are they – elite eight good are they final four good are they national championship good you know because rick barnes we all know has been to one final four so how how it's just a question of how do they break through and and that to me is the question this year is is is, it, it it'll be really hard to totally mess up this team knock on wood but can it get to that next level and, and it's not only about this
2: team. I mean, in the SEC, Kentucky is probably going to get back to being Kentucky. They're going to be a lot. Yeah. They're Very rarely are they going to be what they were during the COVID year. Um, our, Alabama's one of the best teams in the country, one of the best mm-hmm. programs in the country great coach. with what, God, what great Nate coach. Oates has done in such a small amount of time. Arkansas is going to be incredibly tough as long as Eric Musselman's there. Uh, what he does in the transfer portal, what he's doing now recruiting, uh, that's going to be an elite program for a while. LSU's Auburn still got is, players. Auburn gives Tennessee fits every single year. LSU gives Tennessee fits every single year. And it's probably going to be that way as long as Will Wade and Bruce Pearl are coaching those programs for whatever reason. So, yeah, the floor is really high. It's just a matter of the expectations are probably always going to be higher than that floor because it's, I mean, it's just like recruiting. There's nothing wrong with 2022 recruiting right now. It's just you've become accustomed to having five-star guys in these classes the last three years. And now you don't have one. And it's like, what's going on? what's wrong with recruiting when you're not getting picked by a lot of these elite talents. So the, the floor expectation level is there. Yeah. It's going to be a matter of, can this team get back to being what we've seen at times before uh, what we saw in 18, 19, those kind of teams, can they get to that level? Um, Because I mean, it's not going to be easy. The SEC keeps getting tougher with those programs that we talked about um, to break through. But I mean, this, you know, bottom line, this is should be an NCAA tournament team Um, probably should be a second weekend team. And if you get there, if if you're in a Sweet 16 game, you know anything can happen. If they can get back to an Elite Eight, that's something that's only happened once in program history. So as long as you're kind of setting something like that as the baseline expectation the NCAA tournament and maybe the second weekend, I think you're in a pretty good spot.
1: Yeah, rarely are are teams like the Buffalo Bills. Normally, if you keep putting yourself in position, you're going to get there once. So just keep getting yourself a seat at the table. Uh, and, And we'll see. I mean, by the time SEC play starts, Grant, this team will have already played Villanova uh north carolina or purdue it will have played at colorado it will have played texas tech on a neutral floor uh it will have played texas you know you know texas well yeah later in the year with the with the with um the challenge it'll have played memphis uh, on a neutral floor it'll have played arizona i mean by the time sec play starts this team is going to have probably a few dings in the few donuts in the side of the car but i mean they're gonna they're gonna be tested there's no question about it. It's going to be, to and that, a lot of that's fun.
2: what you want. That's what you got to have, especially with a, a roster that's got as many new faces on that. You got to have those tests early on, uh, so no, you know what you are in January when you head into the thick of the SEC schedule.
1: And I think that's a good place to leave it, Grant. Uh, I think I'll, I'll go ahead and let you go. I know that I'll probably what see you in, I guess, about 48 hours or so. So we will, we will, we will cover some basketball this week, and it'll be good to see. Um, you know, no, no restrictions. I know exhibition games are normally packed houses or anything but you know it'll be nice to see no restrictions for this stuff going into uh going into um going into the season it'll be nice to see thompson bowling being the the fiery pit of hell that it normally is for opponents it'll be fun to see again miss that last I'm, gonna have year.
2: To, I'm gonna have to sit shoulder to shoulder on press row that's gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna miss the COVID days when that happens <laughs> that's true man
1: go ahead and get out of here buddy i know you got stuff to do too i got stuff to do so go ahead and get out of here thanks man see it if i could just find that button there it is Now I can get us out of here. Thanks again to Grant for joining us. Thanks to y'all for listening. More importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. We say it every time, but we always mean it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want Just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash Go Vols 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash Go Vols 24-7 and we got tons and tons of good stuff there for you all day, every day. But if you want the best, most delicious, sparkling, clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap, go get that at govals247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, all kinds of good stuff going on with those guys, including Tony Vitello wearing the Joey Freshwater shirt. Fantastic. Never forget that was a good one, Tony. That was a good one. Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us all year long. Does an excellent job covering all of that stuff. Plenty, plenty of that year round. We got two forums that run around the clock, too. We got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, the members of the staff, and thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, no matter what time of day it is. Uh, we got Tennessee fans in every time zone, basically. So if you're up, you want to talk the vols, people will be up and wanting to talk vols with you. Talk SEC, talk college basketball, talk life, talk holiday decorations, talk movies, shows. What are you watching? All of that. It's a great community, guys. One of the, Just the best community around, I'm telling you. We, we moderate it well. It's a It's mostly a polite place to be. Go check it out. You will not regret it. You get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. Also gives you access to the best database in all of college sports. The best database in all of college sports recruiting. All of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. And if you pay us that, on top of it, you also get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. That is a 100 dollars annual streaming value that we will give you no questions asked. None. Just go sign up, click, and there you go. You get every show CBS has ever made, commercial-free, tons of exclusive shows that are only on Paramount plus, and And that, that collection of shows is getting really, really good, by the way. There's tons of stuff on there. You get stuff from the vaults of... Uh, CBS, obviously, also from uh, Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Nickelodeon, and Smithsonian, plus new movies that come out only on Paramount Plus, like Hollywood-type movies, big-budget movies, all of that, and live sports, Tennessee sports, SEC sports, NFL, PGA Tour, uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all of that, Serie A, World Cup qualifying, all of it, 100-plus dollars of an annual value for free. So we're giving you like $500 worth of stuff for like $100 a year. You cannot beat that deal. You can't beat it. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us by Monday at the latest. So until then, uh, just be good to each other. Enjoy the, the football open date weekend. Enjoy getting out and seeing the family. But uh,
0: be safe and be kind to each other. Have empathy. See ya.